Okay, before we begin with Bible class, we have a few uh, public service announcements. Um, some of you might have noticed that we had a little yellow display sign that we, we took down. We need to have our secretary reword this. It says, Gethsemane Lutheran Church needs help setting up their annual Christmas story. That's not right. Um, Lutheran Child and Family Services has a, a Christmas store, and the location of that is Gethsemane Lutheran Church, but Gethsemane really doesn't have anything to do with it. So I'm going to turn it over here to the Silverbergs, and uh, you can just, just hold that about a foot away, and they'll hear you just fine. Okay. I, we need about, about 30 people to help unload some trailers, the trucks, trailers, whatever they have, and then set up the store. This is for Lutheran Child and Family Services. Like you said, the location is at Gethsemane Lutheran Church, which is roughly 10th and Shadeland. The address is on here, and I'll pass this around. The date is December 8th from 1 to 5, and I guess their store opens on Monday, so we're setting up on Sunday afternoon. And I'll pass this around, and hopefully a lot of the youth will want to join in with their nice strong arms. That would be very helpful. Also, we'll have in the narthex this box. It's for our seminary in Fort Wayne. We're looking uh, for donations of gift cards that go to the seminarians for Christmas. This has to be uh, done by the 22nd, so Deb can order the cards and get it to uh, the seminary, I believe, by the 29th. Is that correct? But this cutoff for this is the 22nd. So anybody who wants to give to the seminarians, fill out one of these, make a contribution, just put it in the box, and Deb will take care of the rest. That way, also, the preschool gets credit for doing that. It's just like when you order cards for yourself, except this, these will go to the seminary. So, okay. this will be in the narthex. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Silverbergs. Uh, just to recap there, in case anybody missed that, uh, the, uh, yes, that has Christmas wrapping on it. Uh, that box uh, will be the place where you can uh, fill out your script forms uh, for your gift cards. That way the preschool will uh, get credit for that. Uh, and if you do have any gift cards laying around, they'll take those too. Uh, but if we do it through script, then that'll help our preschool. Uh, so that needs to be in by November 22nd. That'll help our uh, seminarians. And then the second thing they mentioned was uh, volunteers needed to help uh, unload, set up tables, and display items for the uh, Lutheran Child and Family Services uh, Christmas store. So I vouched for y'all. Y'all, that's, that's you all. Okay. I vouched for all of you because uh, Sven called me where I went to meet with him many, many weeks ago. And I said, Sven, what can Advent do to help you? And he said, we don't have a church yet that has volunteered to help unload and set up our Christmas store. And I said, we've got that. I said, we can do that. So don't let me down. <laughs> okay. Um, so sign up on that and we'll be good to go. Um, Sven did tell me and Brady that uh, they are providing pizza as well. So if you like pizza or you haven't had your carbs for the day, uh, you can get a little work in, get an unloaded and set up, and that's kind of our service project. Don't forget the other thing we'll be doing, the, I think it's the following weekend, we're going to go Christmas caroling this year, which is one of my absolute all-time favorite things to do during Christmas. Uh, so I asked our music staff, I said, when, so when do we go caroling? I don't remember doing that last year. So we haven't done that in a long time. Well, we're going to do that this year. So we're going to go Christmas caroling, and you can uh, bring a little pot of chili. And what's really fun when we do that after we're done caroling, making people happy uh, with the Word of God and, and uh, Christmas carols, uh, is we put all, can put all the chili in one big pot. Have you ever done that? It's the most, oh, it's amazing. 
And don't forget, ketchup fixes anything, right? So, okay. Good to be back with you. Uh, spent about uh, four days hunting in South Dakota with my brother. This is kind of uh, uh, our one time, time of the year to get away. And another good friend and some other buddies I've been hunting with for a while. My, my voice is a little raspy. I really don't think I'm sick. I think it's from yelling, rooster <laughs> or hen. So if, you, if you've ever upland game hunted before, you know what that's like. There's a lot of yelling involved. Don't shoot me. No. <laughs> I hope that's not recorded. Okay. Anyway, good to be back with you safely. Um, any other announcements before we get started with Bible class today? Nothing? Pastor Grady? Good, good. All right, let's begin. The Lord be with you. O Lord, keep your household, the church, in continual godliness, that through your protection she may be free from all adversities and devoutly given to serve you in good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Okay, so uh, we are, uh, well, I guess we are about halfway. I was thinking we were nearing the end. Hopefully there's a big appendix at the back. Not, okay. So we are on uh, page 89 of Dr. Kurt Marquartz, Reverend Dr. Uh, Marquartz, The Saving Truth Doctrine for Lay People. And uh, this is chapter six. We've been talking about sacraments, uh, what a sacrament is. And uh, I had a really interesting discussion this week. Um, when people find out I'm a pastor, sometimes they either leave me alone and don't talk with me, uh, or they have lots and lots of questions. So I met a, I met a young guy uh, this year on the hunt uh, who followed in the footsteps of his dad uh, and became a heart surgeon. So they're both heart surgeons down in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, he kind of had a changing around of his lifestyle about 10 years ago, and, and uh, he's become, uh, you know, uh, kind of... Uh, reform slash kind of Pentecostal Christian and really enjoyed talking with him. And so he was just pumping me for questions. And at some point in the conversation, I simply asked him, you know, have you, you, know, have you had your kids baptized? You know, you kind of get to a point where you feel comfortable kind of asking some of those questions, right? I didn't want to be rude about it. And um, he said, oh yeah, he goes, well, he goes, I believe in believer's baptism. I said, oh, okay. I didn't say it that way. Um, uh, but the funny thing was, his kids are like, like two and four, right? I thought that was kind of interesting. So it was like, you know, once they kind of were able to say what they believe, then I had them, you know, baptized. And so he said, he said you know, what, what do Lutherans believe? So then I had an opportunity to kind of walk through, and we've kind of talked about this, right? And that was different for him. He'd never really heard it explained that way before, um, that we believe that the Word of God actually is that which is doing the work. For him, it was always you know, this, this little kid or this person, you've got to come to Jesus. And then Jesus, of course, will bless it. Um, and so um, I hope some seeds were planted. I mean, I, I know the word of God was planted and I, I hope it will do some work. Um, but he's, he's kind of stuck on this, you know, uh, the kingdom of God is where I make it, right? So, so sometimes you might talk with your Christian friends. They love to talk about the kingdom of God. So how do I, how do I find the kingdom of God in my life? How do I get it here? You know, and I've, I've, you, you know, you've kind of got to do this. And if you do this, then you'll see the kingdom of God. And of course, we're like, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> I mean, the kingdom of God is really obvious. 
I mean, go through your catechism. Luther talks about that in the Lord's Prayer quite a bit. Um, and so I mean, wherever the Word of God is, wherever the sacraments are, you know, you daily in your baptism, um, and that's all God's kind of gift to you. Um, and and, and when, you, when you start to really kind of recognize that, it really takes you and me out of the picture. And, 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 and you end up with a great peace and security of what God is about, okay? Um, so uh, the paragraph here, so this is page 89. This biblical understanding of the relationship between Christ's baptism and ours is solidly entrenched in the mind and worship of the church, right? So a lot of the early church fathers talk about you know, when Jesus now is baptized, he doesn't need to be baptized like you and I needed to be baptized, right? He wasn't a sinner. In, in him being baptized, he now does two things. One, he's taking on, you might say, all of your sins. He becomes clothed with what? With, what? with your unrighteousness and mine, right? He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteous of God. So a lot of the early church fathers loved to talk about the imagery of Jesus now being, you know, prior to the cross, you know, because his, his whole work now in living here in this life is fulfilling the law, right? Walking, uh, trusting God, and, and, and doing that work, okay? Matter of fact, some of the early church fathers loved to talk about Jesus' circumcision. There's actually a festival in the church, uh, the circumcision and name, naming of Jesus. And so instead of really New Year's Day, the church has never really had like a New Year's Day service. It's circumcision and naming of Jesus. And of course, that's eight days. So Jesus was circumcised eight days after Christmas. So when did Jesus first shed his blood for you? At a circumcision, eight days old, right? I mean, do you start to think about some of this, how Jesus is fulfilling everything that, that, that goes on is now done uh, for you, for me, fulfillment of the law. Uh, and that's a, that's a different way of kind of looking at, 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 at some of those things. Uh, but, but that's where it's important to keep the distinction, obviously, with law and gospel uh, and understanding what that means, okay? So this biblical understanding of the relationship between Christ's baptism and ours solidly entrenched in the mind and worship of the church. Um, the second thing Jesus is doing in his baptism now uh, is, uh, is blessing now the baptismal waters, if you will, uh, that will yet come, you know, for you. Okay, so we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and of course Matthew 28 uh, is the only uh, scripture reference we have uh, that Jesus gives to us, and that's enough because it's from Jesus, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? Um, the other thing I, 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 just back real quick before we move on, so when I was talking with uh, Dr., um, oh, what's his last name? His first name's Thurston. That's what's nice when you go hunting. Nobody, call, you know, nobody calls each other by their titles. You're just like, hey, Jerk? No. Hey, you. <laughs> you know, it's no pastor, doctor, anything like that. Uh, it, it's a guy thing. Some of the guys will understand it, and the women put up with it. Um, and, uh, and, and so, um, you know, I, I simply asked him a question. I said, okay, so the, the Apostle Paul talks about adoption. And this would be another way you could go with talking with others, you know. And so uh, we have been adopted, and then simply ask this question, who initiates adoption? And I think I've mentioned that to you before, but can a child initiate adoption? You know, now, sometimes that might be wonderful if you've ever been to an orphanage or you've been around and, and, and you know, and, and some, some of these uh, uh, kids, uh, God bless them and provide for them, you know, you know, wow, I'd really like to have that kind of family. But they can't pick that for themselves, can they? They've got to wait until a mom and a dad uh, or a mom or a dad uh, initiate that and sign on that. 
right? Um, so to make sure we kind of keep some of that legal language from Scripture uh, with a proper understanding that it's always God's work for us, uh, of His grace and His, His mercy, okay? Let's move on here unless there's any questions. Micah, you got a question or you're just scratching your head? Just scratching your head, okay. The ancient Christian poet, and I think we kind of looked at this a little bit last week, Celius Sedulius, put it like this in his great epiphany hymn, and let's just read this together. Within the Jordan's crystal flood, in meekness stands the Lamb of God, and sinless sanctifies the wave, mankind from sin to cleanse and save. So Luther expresses the same common understanding of the church when he takes over this language for baptismal prayer, quote, and let's read that together, through the baptism of thy dear child, our Lord Jesus Christ hast consecrated and set apart the Jordan and all water as a salutary flood and a rich and full washing away of sins. Okay? Now the old Eastern liturgies give beautiful visual expression to all this. And raise your hand if you've either seen this done. Uh, when a crucifix is dropped into a body of water at the annual Epiphany observance of the blessing of the Jordan. Anybody been to one of those? Okay, so we got one that's been there, okay? Is that a fairly accurate description? Is that a fairly accurate description that Marquardt has for it? Okay, I've not witnessed that in person. I've kind of YouTubed it and looked at that, and I've watched my big fat Greek wedding like five times, but I don't, I'm not sure that one was in there. I use Windex now more often, but... <laughs> What's that? been a while okay so the point is that it was the Jordan which received the blessing from Christ and his cross not Christ from the Jordan you see the distinction there let me read that one more time the point is that it was the Jordan so the water down the Jordan received the blessing from Christ and from his cross right so the word of God now sanctifies everything so keep in mind when we talk about what a, 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 a blessing really is a blessing is simply the word of God so you asked me to come, you know, bless, uh, I don't know, say you buy a new shotgun. Pastor, would you bless my shotgun before I go, honey? Yeah, I'll say a word of God over it. I mean, you know, word of God. I'm not, I'm not sure if God really cares about your shotgun. Uh, but, I mean, it's just speaking the word of God over something, right? Now think about what you do at mealtime. You do this. So you, you ask the Lord's blessings upon inanimate objects, don't you? Food to nourish you. You certainly do that. You pray for different things. You know, you might be, you know, driving down the highway and you see some pretty crazy stuff going on or an accident or, um, man, driving at night. I mean, the deer are really out right now, aren't they? So if you're kind of outside the city, I mean, you just kind of, you know, you turn your bright lights on when you can and your fog lights to see a little bit and, and you know, and then you get scared. And you're like, oh, well, thank you, Lord, I didn't hit that deer, you know. And then you're thinking to yourself, please watch over all the other cars and, and watch over the deer, you know, so make sure they get eaten and not lay on the side of the road, because you don't want to waste good venison, right? Um, I mean, but you're asking the Lord's blessing. So it's just, it's just the word of God. You're calling upon him, and that's all a blessing is. Dr. John Kleinig really helped me to understand that. So um, uh, blessings are great things. It's just simply speaking the word of God in a place and over something and trusting God to provide, right? So it all comes down to faith. You're trusting that God cares uh, for whatever it is, you know, your shotgun, your food, your car, the people, you know, Bambi, uh, you name it. Okay. Questions or comments on that? Okay. 
All right, uh, we're on next page then. So this is page 90. So as for us today, we need not travel to Palestine, nor would we be closer to Jesus if we did. The Jordan of his baptism flows to us freely through the baptismal font of every parish church throughout the whole wide world. Think about that. I had a guy back in Hastings, and, and uh, he was a real interesting feller. And um, he, he, he came one day, uh, middle of the day, uh, oh, pastor, I got to meet with you. He goes, we got some weird stuff going on at the house. And I had like five, six kids, and, and he was, uh, he'd been a bounty hunter, and he'd been a, a bartender and a bouncer, led a really interesting life. Did not come from a Christian household, but became a Christian. I uh, actually married uh, him and his wife. And pastor, there's some, it's, there's evil in the house. And I said, I believe you. He said, well, I thought I was going to have to convince you. I said, no, we live in a spiritual world. You know, you don't have to, you know, you can tell me what's going on, but, you know, you, you tell me something's going on, you know, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to you know, necessarily say where it's from or not, but evil's all around us. And he said, well, he goes, I've been trying to do something. It hasn't worked. And I said, I said, okay, but tell me what you've been doing. He goes, well, he goes, I went to St. Cecilia's, the Roman Catholic Church there in Hastings. My wife and boys can nod their head to this. And I told the priest there about that. Uh, because I'd heard that he had dealt with a lot of crazy stuff in houses. And he gave me this little flask. And this little flask has water in it from the Jordan River. And not only is it water from the Jordan River, but the priest blessed this water. And he said, you take some of this holy water in this flask, and you sprinkle it, and you won't have any more problems. And he said, Pastor, it didn't work. <laughs> I said, Really? What? It didn't work. So, you know, and, and even though he was kind of, I mean, now kind of catechized and all that other stuff. So he's hearing on one side that the power and the blessing now is in a thing or something other than God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or where God himself is promised to be. You got that? And of course, God's not there. So we went out to his house and I'm not going to tell you if I saw or heard anything. That's not the point. You don't need to be convinced by that. Um, we simply read the word of God, uh, blessed their house and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, and didn't have any more issues after that. Okay. That has nothing to do with me. It has to do with, with, with and so I would say same thing for you. But, uh, you know, obviously there's also authority connected with, and that's why sometimes it's, if you're still having things after you've done that, then call a pastor who's been ordained to do that right? By my nature or by who we are doesn't make us in and of ourselves any more powerful than you. It's just that we've been appointed by God to speak that word. You see the difference, right? Kind of like whether you get a prescription from your pharmacist or you just borrow some pills from Aunt Geraldine when she had her knee surgery. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Don't do that, right? Uh, I mean, you, you have people that are, that are tasked with that and that's, that's also illegal, but we won't go there. You know what I mean, okay? All right, so the word of God is in God himself and where he promises to be. And that's why word and sacrament then become so important. And, 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 and so when you have a church that is non-sacramental, you know, so that's this, this young man, a heart surgeon doctor, gifted, uh, I heard he's a, a brilliant heart surgeon, kind of up-and-comer, and boy, he's, he can shoot. Oh, my goodness. He hit like a 90-yard shot on a bird. I'm like, why are you shooting with that bird for? Bird falls, couldn't believe it. Never something like it. Um, so, uh, interesting. So, okay, let's move on. Questions, comments? Nothing? 
Okay, you want to hear more hunting stories? No, we're we're gonna we're gonna study. We're gonna study. We got plenty of hunters in here. They can tell you some of theirs. Okay. Uh, what is baptism? Baptism. Let's say it together. Uh, is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. So thus, the small catechism uh, teaches us. It makes explicit reference to Matthew uh, twenty-eight nineteen. Let's say that together. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Did you notice how his translation is a little different here? How is, how is the translation written in the book here a little different from maybe how you've memorized it? I'm not going to get too much into the Greek, but... In instead of, or into instead of in, that's one, okay... Um, obviously, you've got the uh, we have the spelling, baptizing, but really the word into. Now that's interesting, right? So it, it's you know, so Jesus now when he's baptized in the Jordan, uh, he it, it, it's he comes up from the water, not necessarily from within. But now in your baptism, uh, and this is interesting in the Greek, now it's baptized into the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So um, you now are, yeah, I mean, you got in and into, and you say, okay, they're pretty similar to me, all right? But now we're talking kind of about a matter of location. Nod your head if you're with me on this just a little bit. So the difference between baptized, and the lawyers can now speak up uh, and help us uh, work through a little bit of this. Uh, I'm kind of looking over there. Uh, baptized in versus into. Um, so now... You know, and, and this is important because we're outside of the name of God, right? So if you're, if you're making a recipe for, I don't know, name your favorite cookie all at once. One, two, three. Most people said chocolate chip. Snickerdoodles? Okay, that's it. Oatmeal raisin? You guys are all chocolate chip fans. Okay, that's okay. So, so you're, you're, you're mixing up your, your whole bowl of your stuff, and you got all the ingredients on the counter, right? And you might have an order, and that's kind of a difference with sometimes how people make their recipes of how and when or, or when they put their ingredients in. Um, but if you make chocolate chip cookies and you fail to take the chocolate chips and put them into the dough, what are you going to end up with? Not a chocolate chip cookie. You got no chocolate chips. You can't have a chocolate chip cookie without chocolate chips, right? I mean, it would be like some sort of a sugar cookie, probably, right? Kind of brown, sugary cookie, but okay, caramelized a little bit, but no chocolate chips. So baptized now into uh, the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and this is that concept that everything is now is 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 now extranos. It comes from without, with uh, from outside of us, and and not only that, but but being baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now literally takes us from where we are in terms of sinful and puts us now in God's family, which is that concept of adaption, right? So that, that'd be another way to kind of think about baptism a little bit um, of, you know, just like can't have chocolate chip cookies with, with, without chocolate chips. You can't have a baptism without the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? And so now, now God does this work picks up the chocolate chips or his name, his righteousness, all that he is, okay? And as God the Father locates that in the person work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit now that testifies to that, right? 
Um, all of that now gets imputed. That's the big word, actually. Imputed to you is righteousness. Okay, so you get a lot of this in and kind of in kind of talk. I'm not going to get much further than that. Any questions or comments on that? Okay, so Mark Hort likes to emphasize that, and I think that's, that's very good. A valid baptism requires the application of water in the name of the Holy Trinity. I think I mentioned last Sunday, it doesn't matter what type of water you have. There's no such thing as holy water in and of itself, okay? Uh, water is only holy when the Word of God is there with it, okay? Uh, so a uh, thing is only holy when, when the Word of God is there, if you will. Um, and it's the Word of God that makes it so, not any other uh, nature uh, or particulars about it. It's neither the amount of water that matters nor, what, nor the manner of its application. Uh, would it be okay for us to uh, uh, build a, a swimming pool in our sanctuary? Sure. Would there be anything sinful about that? No. Um, when I was a younger lad, before I realized how much it cost to maintain a swimming pool, um, I thought that might be kind of cool to have it in a church. I mean, that's kind of really neat to see kind of, kind of the immersion of the water and that sort of thing. Um, but then, then I found out how much it would cost to really do that and do that well. Uh, secondly, we were located in an area where all the Reformed churches did that, and they claimed that unless you're baptized that way, you weren't really baptized. So then I thought to myself, self? I can't go along with that because <laughs> I don't want to confuse people. So we'll just keep baptizing people by sprinkling them, right? So that's the difference. You spend any time in the military and you know about chaplains, uh, you, you've got your baby baptizers and, 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 and you're not, okay? Uh, same thing otherwise. So um, uh, you know, the Jordan River is, is still not very deep. It wasn't very deep at Jesus' time either, uh, as uh, near as uh, historical records give to us. So I doubt Jesus himself was truly immersed in the Jordan. Uh, it tells us he came up from the water, not from within the water. So that's an interesting Greek textual note. Uh, but to be honest, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it doesn't matter how much water uh, is used, whether it's just a little drop or two, uh, whether it's complete immersion, um, that doesn't matter. Questions, comments, stories about that from anybody? Anybody here been immersed? There's probably a few of you that have. Okay, yeah, okay. And in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's valid baptism, right? That's a, that's a valid baptism, God's name and, uh, and water. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say if I, had, if I had a preference, yeah, absolutely, full immersion. That's cool. I mean, you're just, you're completely covered with it. What great symbolism. But the fact that there are people around that maintain that that's the only way you can be baptized, I, you know, God's not a God of confusion. So, you know, I, I would be afraid somebody would, you know, say, well, it'll be a, sprinkling doesn't count then, you know, since we do it that way. Um, and so you gotta, you gotta be very careful of that. Um, and as long as you could afford you know, I guess you could do a salt water baptismal fall. You wouldn't have to do all the chlorine chemicals. Boy, we'll get the trustees right on that. We'll figure that one out. <laughs> I think it should be heated during the week, you know, so that the pastors can... <laughs> little hot tub action. <laughs> oh, somebody mentioned something about a skating rink on the property a year ago, so... Uh, yeah, some of you remember that, okay. Okay, any other comments before we move on here? All right. Um, okay, it is neither the amount of water that matters nor the manner of its application. Curiously, those who take a low view of what happens in baptism will often fuss a great deal about how this supposedly unimportant thing is to be done. That's an interesting comment he makes. 
right? I mean, I've got a, I've got a bunch of, of friends who, I don't, they, I don't know how many times they've been baptized, to be honest. Uh, you know, have been baptized many, many times. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so uh, very interesting. It will not do to insist, for instance, that a person must be totally submerged to be truly baptized. Now, it is true that the word baptized comes from a Greek word meaning to dip, okay? Uh, the forms baptize and baptism are used only of religious washings, though. In such cases, the reference is to any sort of application water, as the usage in St. Mark 7, 4 makes clear. Even the meaning dip or immerse in and of itself need not imply complete submersion. The most ancient depictions we have of our Lord's baptism in the Jordan show him standing in the water up to his waist with John the Baptist pouring water on his head from a shell. Have you seen those pictures? Got a lot of those that have, have survived back from probably, uh, uh, well, probably early, eh, middle, middle ages, middle to, uh, late middle ages, somewhere around there. Um, so what was the other thing I was gonna mention? Um, I'll come back to it. <clears throat> it may be noted in passing that the Israelites are said to have been, quote, baptized in the cloud and in the sea. So that's interesting, 1 Corinthians 10.2. However, the only people who were actually immersed or submerged there were Pharaoh's pursuing armies. I never made that connection until I read his book before. I never really thought about that, right? So you want, you want to talk about immersion, uh, they're the ones that God killed. <laughs> or as I tell the preschoolers, they got smushed, right, by the Red Sea. Um, so that, that's kind of interesting. Uh, it should also be observed that the usual mode of baptism in the Lutheran church is a threefold pouring of water on the head, uh, actually, you know, not sprinkling. Uh, so that's, that's true. Um, some pastors are really anal about using a shell. Um, and I, I don't care what you, you could get a, you could get a red solo cup if you want, right? Red solo cup, <laughs> I fill you up. It's time to baptize you. It's this. Okay. Uh, so I've always just used my... <laughs> little song and dance there. Um, so, I've, I mean, I've just always used my hand, okay? Um, and, uh, and, and it is kind of just a pouring of water on the head, right? So we're not like flicking it and the kid, like, the kid's like, ah! <laughs> like flicking water at it. Uh, so as long as water is applied, it, it doesn't matter how you do it. doesn't matter how much water. Use water and use the name of God. Um, and so that's kind of the Lutheran rite. Uh, Luther was pretty messy when it came to baptisms. Um, so we have some interesting historical accounts, um, and, uh, and, and I, know, I know a couple of pastors who the altar guild have kind of learned to figure out how to deal with all the water uh, and wipe down the wooden font right away, um, that they're just kind of flinging water everywhere. Um, I've always thought it would be neat to have a baptismal font uh, that kids can easily touch and you know, they can, they can actually come up and kind of see it and put their hands on it, right? So it's kind of an interactive exhibit. But I was told by my wife that the moms would not like that, okay? I think if you go up to uh, St. John Lutheran Church in Wheaton, Illinois, uh, they, anybody been up there? They have kind of a, they have a font like that, don't they? Yeah, you had problems with, you guys have kids, don't you? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I kind of love that. And I love that some of you now, since we've been putting you know, we brought our font down low and we put in water. I love some of you bring your kids up there and hold them so they can, they can touch the water and make the sign of the cross. Or, or at, the, at, at the least, that's a teaching tool to remind your children that they're baptized. That's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing, right? So there's a lot of ways you can go about doing it. There's no one. Let's not make new laws, okay? So water by itself is not yet baptism. 
Uh, he talks a little bit about that uh, earlier in the other paragraph, uh, you know, the, the washing of pots and kettles. So, uh, so the word washing would be the word baptize. Keep in mind you had all the ceremonial washing. So remember that, and early service people make this connection, late service people wait for it. Jesus' first miracle at Cana, the jars of water that he turns into wine, do you remember what those jars were most likely used for? The ceremony, the washing. They would have been part of the ceremony, okay? Not just washing for cleanliness, uh, but, but also part of the, of the regular washing that now God required um, and, uh, and probably a, a rabbi or a priest would have done in conjunction with the wedding. Now keep in mind, this is where this Judaism here, right? So Judaism is in kind of full swing when Jesus arrives. So there's been a lot of new things that have come about, uh, you know, since they returned from exile, uh, you know, uh, a couple of centuries before. And, and Jews still, still have a little bit of that as well. Okay, there was a water basin as well. Don't forget tabernacle and temple. So there's a, there a water basin there. If you ever did one of those, design one of those things for extra credit for your Sunday school class or if you went to a Lutheran school, okay? Um, okay, so this baptismal formula, bottom paragraph, however, must not be mistaken for a magical incantation or mantra where everything depends on correct recitation of the right syllables. In the word of God is not the sounds or syllables that matter, but the right sense or meaning. Therefore, the baptismal word is not a bit less effective in English than it is in New Testament Greek. Got it? So, you know, the original you know, word we have re recorded. Uh, and it's funny, you know, you, you talk with, with uh, some King James Version folks. Maybe some of you were that type back then. You know, this, this is the king's language. This is God's language. Uh, you know, and, and uh, so I've always kind of enjoyed when I've encountered folks like that, you know, pulling out my, my Greek and my Hebrew manu manuscripts uh, and then going through some of that. And, and it's oftentimes they're just completely amazed, you know. So, so God didn't really translate the King James. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> it's not, I like the King I like the new King James version, actually. It'd probably be my preferred uh, translation. With, you know, I mean, there, there's, there's a couple, there, none of them are perfect, right? Um, and that's why it's important to study uh, still the original languages and, and learn from people that do, okay? This stress on the sense rather than the sounds implies something else too, right? Uh, so, so my northern relative cousin who's a Lutheran pastor, you know, he's got that, yeah, sure, you betcha, you know. So the way he would do like the, the words of institution would probably sound completely weird to you. And you'd be like, what did he just say, Right? Uh, and then, you know, my buddies from down south, you know, uh, you know, shout out to LSU. Good win yesterday over Alabama, right? Um, and I listened to a lot of football driving home yesterday. And, uh, uh, you know, so, you know, the sense, the words are still there. So the Holy Spirit promised to be where his word is. And keep in mind in whatever language. How do we know that? One word you should say back to me to answer. Very good. Pentecost, Right. So God gave the apostles the ability to speak in languages that they did not know, but they weren't made up, you know, gobbledygook, right? Um, you know, they were actual languages uh, that, uh, so that everybody could hear law and gospel in their, in their own language and dialect, okay? All right, any comments on that before we finish this up here? In the word of God is not the sounds or syllables that matter, but the right sense or meaning. Therefore, the baptismal word is not a bit less effective in English than it is in New Testament Greek. Next paragraph. The stress on the sense rather than the sounds implies something else too. 
What if the Trinitarian words or sounds are used, but the doctrine of the Trinity is denied? I had a Mormon once who came and heard the word of God and swore up and down to me that they were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What do you think I did? Did I, here, here's a fun question for you, right? And some of you, some of, this, is, this is the type of stuff pastors in seminary, some of you probably sit around and talk about this. Do you rebaptize such a person or not? What's the confession of the Mormon church? Do they believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by confession? No. Okay. So, um, so I, wa I went through with this, obviously catechized this person, and then once we went through all that, this person said, can I be rebaptized, please? And I said, well, not rebaptized. Let's baptize you, <laughs> right? Because you weren't, you know, because you, you, you're baptized into the name, into the confession, and just because the name's there, if the confession is denied, right? And, and I would just say this. We can get into semantics on this, but this would be that God is not a God of confusion or chaos or disorder. God is a God of order. He's a God of certainty, okay? Uh, so in that case, we do that. And I've had many other people over the years that, you know, they fell away from church. Mom and dad are dead. Grandma and grandpa are dead. There's no records. We think we've been baptized because most of the other family members were baptized, but we're not sure. So what do I do? Absolutely. I mean, that's not, not even a doubt in my mind in that case. Okay? We do our best to discover that, but God wants them to be certain of that. Um, you know, God doesn't want them, you know, worrying about that, okay? And keep in mind, you can go to heaven still without being baptized, having faith, but faith always grasps the gifts of God, right? So that's why parents should have their bap children baptized as soon as possible, and you should remember your baptism daily. Okay. Um, questions, comments? You're just waiting for more hunting stories, I know it, okay. For instance, so what if one says the name of the Father, Son, but adds that this really means in the name of liberty, equality, and fraternity, right? Or some other non-Trinitarian content. And then we have not a baptism, but a mockery. Um, I sat in a little bit on uh, Mr. Chuck Long's presentation this last week at Wednesday night in the Bible class, and uh, he was covering, um, put a plug in for your class, I'm giving you the opportunity. He was covering uh, basically uh, the, the, the lodges, if you will, uh, specifically the Masons, so masonry. Um, and I've, I've, I've you know, studied a lot of Masons, their masonry. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, and when you first kind of get in, it's, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But the further you get into it, it's, it's uh, uh, it gets kind of crazy. But you get all this, you know, generic stuff of praying, you know, to the God of this and the God of that and... And uh, it's very syncretistic in the sense of putting other gods or religions on the same level, right? Um, and so, you know, you can pray to your Hindu god. We can have a, you know, a Masonic lodge that's, you know, that's predominantly Muslim. And we, you know, I mean, believers, right? People that believe, you know, that. And, and you could be Buddhist, and you could be Christian, and you could be, you know, Mormon, and you could be whatever, uh, and of course, that doesn't, you know, I would just remind you to go read one story in the Bible, and that would be Elijah and the prophets of Baal. 
okay? Read that story and then tell me what God thinks of organizations that would, that would do such a thing uh, as, as saying it doesn't matter what God you pray to, okay? Um, you just can't make that argument. So in our ecumenical last times, and of course we're the, we're the conservative fogies, right? I mean, the Missouri Synod people that, you know, won't go pray and do all these joint services. We're not community-minded, you know. Hey, we got an ad in the, in the Zionsville uh, uh, newspaper, by the way. So we're, we're getting our name out there just a little bit more. So we'll see if we can pull in some of these other people and give them the word of God. Then they'll probably flip us off and run away. Who knows? <laughs> um, please don't be offended. I just kind of speak my mind. Um, Purported baptisms done by churches that deny the Blessed Trinity cannot be regarded as valid. In the former case, those previously baptized are not to be baptized again. For the one baptism in the New Testament, like circumcision, is once for all, right? So if the confession of faith is there, so if somebody comes from a, a Methodist church, uh, comes from a Trinitarian church, okay? Uh, we would say churches that hold to the ecumenical creeds, uh, proper understanding of the Trinity, you know. So if some of you, raise your hand if you were not raised Lutheran. I would imagine that's probably a third to half year, right? Um, and uh, so did Pastor Feeney make you be rebaptized? For those of you that came in, or Pastor Grady, okay? Because you were, you were already in a Christian church uh, and, and your baptism was valid, okay? So that counts. Okay, what time we got? How are we doing back there, Keith? How many? Three minutes, Keith says. All right, listen to the lawyer. Uh, the benefit or power of baptism. Various churches hold basically two views of baptism. According to what we might call the low or empty view, baptism is essentially an act of obedience on our part. It amounts to a sign, symbol, or picture which gives nothing, right? So this is, this is what Dr. Thurston, that's not his real last name. I, I'll think of it in a second. Uh, but that, that's what he would, he would subscribe to. So believer's baptism. Uh, and it's just, just symbolic, right? It's just part of the commitment, all right? Um, reminds us of the new birth of God's grace and the like. Some will start to kind of, you know, now this person is a child of the covenant, right? As if you can choose to be part of a covenant. Can you legally do that? Can anyone under 18 legally enter a contract in America? Someone needs to go after these churches. <laughs> They're dealing with eternity. I mean, when you think about it that way, it doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. Um, so in this view, baptism is essentially law, not gospel. So this view is taught uh, by uh, the, and I would just use a different word here, the Anabaptist churches, which basically would be, you know, against baptism in the sense that baptism really doesn't do anything. Um, the other view of baptism, which might be termed high or full, is confessed in Luther's small catechism. Baptism, let's read it together. Works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. And Keith, that's a good point to end on, I think. And I'll leave you with this question. You probably already know the answer. Which of these two opposing views is taught in the Bible? So what does God's word have to say now about what baptism is? Okay. So those are the type of questions I think uh, to address for ourselves to recognize what a great gift we've been given. And as we talk with other people, um, about baptism in their church, be, be, be open and be winsome. Um, you know, don't be afraid to talk about, you know, these things. Um, and uh, the word of God will, will do its work. Okay. Question? Yes, ma'am.
yeah, why not just as soon as the kid pops out of the womb or is lifted out of the belly in the case of a C-section, why not just, you know, baptize immediately? Okay, I have an answer to that. I'll, 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 let me throw it out there. They were baptized automatically. Yeah. Without the parents, yeah. Without the parents' consent, too. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. What's that? Does that still make them a child of God? Yes, it does. Yeah, that's still a valid baptism. So there, there's, there's, there's water now. That might be the one that, not the one that they remember, or, you know, the date in the newsletter might be wrong <laughs> for their baptismal birth date, uh, but it's still a valid, a valid baptism. I would just say this, why do we not baptize immediately? If, if it's, it's, it's life or death, right? And we don't have as much of that as they used to. This used to take place much more often, I mean, you know, back in, in Luther's time. Um, so two things. One, um, who's our family? Who's our, who's, our, who's, our, who's our real family? It's our faith family, right? Uh, where does the word of God and his sacraments normally get administered and given? In church. Who do they normally be, get administered by? The pastor, okay? Um, now, the Word of God, uh, if, if that family is a Christian family, has already taken root in that child anyway, right? So if that mom's been in church and heard the Word of God, there's faith there, right? And faith saves, okay? Um, so uh, faith is, or baptism is necessary for salvation, our confessions speak, but not required, that's probably the best way to explain it to you. And so we, we tend to do those things in church. So if, any, if you have kids or your family has kids, if there's any question that, about that child, um, you know, and I, I've done this on the phone with people. They've called me and, and said, hey, pastor. I said, I'll get there as soon as I can. But if I can't, if for some reason something happens to this little baby, you go baptize him. It's okay. And there's a form for that in the back of your catechism, Right? And all you got to do is have some water. Anything that contains water actually will do. You might have a Mountain Dew, hand, whatever you got. As long as it's got water in it, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Word of God does the work. Okay, now, if that happens, what do we do at church? We actually have a right for this. It doesn't happen very often, but we actually did it in Hastings once. We have a public recognition of a private baptism. We don't rebaptize that person, but we go ahead and we get the sponsors up there. We let the sponsors publicly confess their faith, okay? Um, and, you know, and, and we give thanks to God for the baptism, okay? Kind of like someone who's gotten married by just of the peace and uh, they, want a, they want a church wedding. And I'll say, hey, no problem, okay? I'm not going to remarry you, okay? We'll renew your vows maybe, but we can do the whole church wedding. I mean, I have that with couples that are, that are, that are living together that refuse to move apart. Okay, well, if you're repentant, sorry for that. Just go get married tomorrow. Go pull a marriage license. Get married so you're not living in sin. And we'll still do the whole public ceremony. I'll do everything but I now pronounce you husband and wife. And we can still do the wedding. Probably never thought about that one, did you? Okay, you can still have that. Okay, um, so, so we still want to do those public things, family things. We still want to do the church things. Okay, we're past time. Keith has given me the evil eye. Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. And also help you.